Well, this week I was talking to Jim Cofield, our director of counseling and adult ministries, and he was telling me that eight out of 10 of his clients that he sees in his counseling office deal with anxiety. Anxiety. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 as we'll look at what Jesus said about anxiety. And kids, you are dismissed kindergarten through second grade. But anxiety is the universal disease of our age. That's what one pastor said. And I agree with that assessment because just as Jim mentioned to me that most of the people he sees on a weekly basis are dealing with anxiety, I see it in my own life and I see it in your lives too as I talk with you. Uh, Worry and anxiety can cripple us if we're not careful. And I do believe it is the universal disease of our age. And if you think about your own life and how stress can weigh you down, think about the things that stress you out. It may be money that worries you. You may be asking the question, will I have enough money to retire? Will I have enough money to pay my bills? Will I have enough money to support my kids or even my aging parents? You may be worried about your family You may be asking the question, are my kids safe? Are they safe? You may be asking, will I be able to to take care of of them as I get older? Will my rebellious teenager uh, ever come to their senses? That might be worrying you as you're thinking about your rebellious teen. You may be worried about your health. You might be worried about the upcoming appointment with the doctor, and you're wondering what they're going to determine or what diagnosis you may have. You may be wondering if you'll be healthy enough to keep going. You might even be worried about the unknown. There's talks that you hear about in the news about a potential recession. Uh Uh-oh, what's gonna happen if the recession comes? You may be worried about China. China is starting to take over other parts of the world. Are they gonna take over us? You may just be worried about the unknown because you don't know the future. And because you don't know the future, it might be crippling you right now. Worry is the universal disease of our age. And it's not just us as people who worry. Apparently, animals worry too. This week, as I was preparing the message, I came across an ad for Mr. Fluffy Friend. And Mr. Fluffy Friend advertises a big, fluffy bed that your dog or your cat can lay on. Why? Because they say that Harvard University showed that three out of four pets experience character-affecting anxiety on a daily basis. This Mr. Fluffy friend that you can purchase can ease anxiety by enveloping your best friend in a warm hug. It has positive effect on their nervous system, calming their sensory behaviors, and providing comfort whenever they need it. This is for our pet, Fido. So again, if our pets are dealing with anxiety, apparently, because Harvard says so, and we're dealing with anxiety and worry, then obviously this is a major, major problem. So we're gonna look at two questions this morning. One is how worry works or how does it work? And two is what should we do about it? First, how does worry work? Well, in my discipleship curriculum that I've put together for for you to go through as you are learning more about God's word and how to live in his ways, There, in that study I have on worry, I give you and I unpack a a three-step process of how worry works. It begins by having an uneasy feeling. Uh, Some people might say this is butterflies, and butterflies can be healthy, 
But what I'm talking about are the, the unhealthy butterflies, that uneasy feeling you get, and all of a sudden it then turns into these ongoing thoughts where you start feeling a little antsy, and then you begin to think about it often. And the more you think about it, it then leads to torment where you can't sleep at night. And tormenting yourself can result in really harming yourself where you lose sleep, you may have high blood pressure, you may experience indigestion, you might even start to do things like bite your fingernails. That's something I've done. I've actually gotten better about it, but I grew up in a home where the men would bite their fingernails, and now I'm seeing my son biting his nails. I'm like, oh, no, no, this is a generational curse, but you might bite your fingernails. Uh, I know people who pluck their eyebrows, pluck out their eyebrow hairs. I know people who pull their hair out because of anxiety and worry. I know of people who are constantly fidgeting, you know, they're, they're constantly moving. And, and if you have kids, they may own fidgets. Apparently, fidgets is in right now. And most kids I know have these fidgets to just keep them moving because they're just antsy and they can't keep still. And so what do we do? We just give them fidgets to pop. Uh, I don't know what it is for you, but we are constantly fidgeting and we have knotted stomachs. We have sleepless nights. We even have low morale because of worry. Because again, it's tormenting ourselves because we can't get this thought out of our mind and that makes us lose sleep. Uh, worry makes our temper short and our days long. It causes, again, indigestion and it can even cause muscle strain. As I think about this, I think about Proverbs twelve twenty five, where it says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. Our anxiety can weigh us down. Kevin DeYoung described worry as being weighed down by the what-ifs in life. Being weighed down by the what-ifs in life. So what are the what-ifs for you? What if China comes in? What if we experience a recession? What if I bomb the interview tomorrow? What if I fall flat on my face when I do the school presentation tomorrow? What if I don't do well in the game coming up? What if my, my kids aren't safe? What if a burglar comes in my home tonight? What if, what if, what if? What are the what ifs for you? And I guarantee those what ifs, the uncertainties of life are what's keeping you up at night. It's what's weighing you down and that's what worry is. Anxiety is living out the future before it arrives. Anxiety is living out the future before it arrives. And because we don't know the future, we worry about it. This reminds me of a story of a, a woman who literally every single night was worried that a thief would come in and break in their home. And for years, she worried about it. And it was almost every night she would hear a sound and wake up her husband and her husband would have to go downstairs and, and check to make sure they were safe. Well, many years go by and all of a sudden a burglar came in and broke into their home and the husband went downstairs and to his surprise, he, he saw him. And then he said, hey, I'm actually glad you're here. I want you to, to go upstairs with me because I want to introduce you to my wife because she's worried about you for 10 years. <laughs> 10 years, this woman worried about a burglar coming in. What about you? What do you worry about and what keeps you up at night? There's a process to it. And the underlying problem with this process is fear. We're afraid. We're afraid. What are you afraid of? What are the what ifs for you? What's keeping you up at night? One doctor said, we don't get ulcers from what we eat. We get ulcers from what's eating us. What is eating you? 
and all the worries and anxieties in life are what causes the headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, and even the belly aches. Worry does this to all of us if we're not careful. So the second question is, what should we do about it? We go to God's word. And that's where we go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 25, ESV translation. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, Jesus said. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to take two weeks talking about this because it's really important. This week, you'll hear from me. Next week, you're going to hear from Jim because I thought it was important to hear from his perspective uh, from Matthew chapter 6 and also uh, from, a, from, from a counseling, a Christian counselor perspective, because this is critical for us to, to wrap our minds around. So what should we do with worry? Notice the first word that Jesus gave in verse 25. He said, therefore. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Anytime you see the word therefore, what you do, what do you do? You go back to see what Jesus said about it before or what the author said about it before in any other book of the Bible. And what did Jesus say last week we talked about? He talked about storing up treasures in heaven. He talked about spending all of our time and efforts focusing on the here and now and building ourselves treasures on this earth. And he said, don't allow money to be your master. Don't allow money to, to be your, or don't serve money but you need it to serve you is what Jesus was getting at. And I believe right after that, he then goes into worry because if you think of it, the two often go together, money and worry. So Jesus says, don't spend your time storing up treasures on earth. Don't allow money to be your master and don't worry because often money relates and correlates to that of worry. A CBS news study said this recently that the number one stress in people's lives is money. Three out of four Americans they surveyed said money is what caused them stress. One out of four in that survey experienced extreme stress over money the past month. If we're not careful, we can allow money to get the best of us, and when we serve money, it will end up getting the best of us, where that's all we think about. We think about our futures. We think about providing for our needs. The context of Matthew 6, 25 through 34 is that of Necessities. Jesus is talking about providing for daily necessities because in his time, there were a lot of people in poverty that could barely make ends meet. In our modern day society in America, some of us fall into that category where we don't know if we'll have enough to pay the bills. But many of us, uh, we fall into the category of security. We think more about future and we think more about, will I have enough to survive when I retire? Will I have enough to make ends meet? Will I have enough you fill in the blank. That's the overall idea and struggle for that of Americans. But if we're not careful, we're going to allow even that 
to weigh us down, to keep us up at night. And I like what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5 when he said, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. What was Solomon getting at? He was saying, if all you think about is money and treasures, you're always going to want more. It will consume you to where it will weigh you down and you will begin to torment yourself with this scare of tactic of money if you're not careful. And he's saying that the more responsibility they have, the less sleep you'll get. But I love how he simply said, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. This reminds me of an axiom that I wrote in our discipleship curriculum, more money, more people, more people, more worries, and more worries, less sleep. Taking on more responsibility at work can be a really good thing for you and your family and for your career. But as you take on more and as you make more, the demands are more. I know of millionaires who are exhausted because not only do they want more, but they have people coming to them often asking for more. That's what often can happen. And so again, as we store up treasures on this earth, what will result but that of more worry and more problems? So what should we do about it? Well, we need to keep the right perspective. And Jesus, he gave us the right perspective in these words. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The main point Jesus is getting at here in this section is he's saying, if God provides for the lesser things in life, then don't you think he'll provide for the greater things? That's the perspective we need to have. If God provides for the, the lesser things in life, then surely he'll provide for the greater things. So what are the lesser things in life? This is what Jesus gets at here. He said that the lesser things are food, are clothing, are, are you know, grass and flowers of the field. Those are the lesser things, birds of the sky. Those are the lesser things in life, and God provides for those things. So if he provides for those things, don't you think he'll provide for you as a human being? Because after all, your life is more important than just food, and your body is more important than the clothes you wear. That's the point Jesus is getting at here. He's saying you shouldn't take so much of your time and effort thinking about, well, will I make ends meet, and will God provide for me? Because if he provides for birds, if he provides for flowers, then he'll surely provide for you. He will care for you. God has given us the greater, our lives and our bodies, and he will provide for us the lesser, the food, drink, and clothes that we wear. Jesus went on to give two examples to further this point by saying that if God provides for the lesser things, he'll provide for the greater things, and he talks about wildlife. He talks about birds, and then he ends up talking about flowers and, and grass. Verse 26, he talks first about the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What's he saying here? Well, first off, what he's not saying is, is that he's not saying we don't need to just sit around and have a lackadaisical approach to life and just wait for God to provide money on trees or, or wait to have our meal delivered to us in the morning. 
That doesn't happen. Money doesn't just fall or grow on trees. And we don't just have our meals delivered to us every morning when we wake up at our doorstep. He's saying birds, they don't just sit around in their nest with their their beaks open waiting for God to just drop a worm into their mouth. No. What do birds do? They're one of the most active creatures alive. Every day they they, they go around and and I've been watching birds a lot more recently as of late. And they're constantly moving. They're also chirping and singing because they're enjoying life. But they're constantly moving. And what do they do? They're active. They go out every day and they, they look for worms to eat. And they, they provide for their young. And they build nests. In the same way as human beings, God calls us to take personal responsibility for ourselves. He calls us to wake up every morning and say, okay, okay Lord, what would you have me do today for you and for others? How can I provide for myself today? How can I take care of myself? How can I take personal responsibility? Just as birds did, and just as they do, they take personal responsibility. But yet, here's the thing about birds, they sing. They don't get caught up in in, in sowing or reaping or storing away in barns. But what they do is every day, they, they look for their meals. And God provides. He provides for birds. And so, as a result... They don't fret, but they sing. And if you ever hear birds singing, it can be pleasant. Now, a lot of them, it might not be very pleasant. But if you hear birds singing, it's pleasant. Why? Because they're enjoying life. In the same way, we should sing at times. When's the last time you sang? Have you allowed worry to get the best of you or you've stopped singing? There was a, a fable of a dialogue between a, a robin and a sparrow, and it went like this. The robin said to the sparrow, I, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. It's a silly little story or example, but, but it's true. If God provides for birds the lesser things in life, then surely he'll provide for you and me, his children. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are children of God. Let me say that again. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're God's children. So just as a mom and dad would provide, a good mom and dad would provide for their kids, so God will provide for you and me. Because after all, we are greater than birds. We're more valuable than birds. Verse 27, Jesus went on to say, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Have you ever looked back on your life and said, you know, I really wish I was more worried? Or have you ever looked back and after you were worried about something and it it happened, then you went back and said, you know, I'm really glad I worried about that? No, worrying accomplishes nothing, nada, zilch. It doesn't help anybody or anything. It doesn't help you. It just makes matters worse. There was a, a, a bassoon player who was getting ready to play uh, in, their, in their performance. And he played under uh, the famous uh, Tuscanini. And he was really worried about the performance. He was worried that he was going to have to play the E flat. And he went right before the performance. He said, Tuscanini, I'm worried I'm going to have to play the E flat. I don't, I, I don't think I can hit that note. And Tuscanini said, Uh, you're not having to play the E-flat tonight. You're okay. 
You don't need to worry about that. It's not even, it's not even in our performance. I, I bring that example up because most of our worries are unfounded and unnecessary. We spend so much time thinking about the what if and about the future that a lot of times it either doesn't happen or when it does happen, we realize it wasn't that big of a deal. There have been countless times where I have been concerned about whether it's a, a speaking engagement or a military endeavor of something I have to do or, or even my, my kids or something. It'll just keep me up at night and then it will happen and I realize, oh, that was it? That wasn't so bad after all. Has that happened to you? Where you spend all this time, all these waking moments worried about what's to come and then when it actually happened, it really wasn't that big of a deal or it didn't even happen at all. That's what Jesus is getting at. Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? I like what Swindoll said about this. He said, worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. Worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. Worrying just is a waste of time. And I absolutely loved when Winston Churchill was asked during World War II, he was asked by a reporter saying, Winston Churchill, aren't you worried about the state of the world right now and, and leading your nation in this horrible war? And Churchill looked at him and said, I don't have time to worry. In the same way, I would say that doing beats stewing. As you work hard and as you wake up each day saying, Lord, what would you have me do today? Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You're gonna be faithful. I'm just gonna be faithful to what you have in store for me today. If you think about it in those terms, it will beat you just worrying and thinking about it and sitting and saying, woe is me, what's going on in life? So again, the, the first thing we need to do and addressing and tackling worry is we've got to keep the right perspective and realize that if God provides for the lesser things, he'll provide for the greater things. He goes on to give the second example about clothing, verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What's he getting at here? Once again, if God provides for the grass and makes it green and he provides the rain and the sunshine, if he provides flowers in the field that are beautiful, he's saying then surely he'll provide for you clothes to wear. He even compared the flowers to that of Solomon's best wardrobe. And he's saying if you just got a microscope and you, and you really surveyed these flowers, you would see how magnificent they are and how much more beautiful they are even more than Solomon's finest clothes. And yet, God, he cares about the smallest things, the little details and things. And if he cares about these little detailed things and makes it beautiful, then surely he will care about you because you are far greater than the flowers of the field and the, the grass in the field. In the same way Jesus is getting at here, God will provide for your needs. And you've got to realize and understand that he cares for you as he cares for his children, because you are his children. So therefore, verse 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What is he saying here? Jesus was saying here 
that Gentiles, non-Christians, pagans, heathens, these people, what they do is they spend most of their time and effort living in the here and now. They have very little or no thought of God. And because they don't think about God and they have little thought of God, they're living for themselves and they're living for the here and now. And so therefore, they're worried about their food. They're worried about their dress. They're worried about the temporal things of this life. They are storing up treasures on this earth because they don't think about God. Jesus is saying, Christian, believer, do you think like the pagans do and the Gentiles do, or do you think like a believer? Because if you think like a believer, you're going to be thinking about eternity. You're gonna be storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You're gonna be thinking about the afterlife, not the here and now. And as you're living in the here and now, you're gonna realize the bigger picture in life that God's got this. That the ruler of all creation rules over you too. So how do we fight worry? We keep the right perspective. And number two, we remember our ruler's providence. We remember the providence of God. What does providence mean? It means to see in advance. It means to see beforehand. It refers of God's knowledge and his provision for the future. I like what R.C. Sproul about, said about providence. He said, some say the devil is in the details, but Christians say God is in the details. As our Lord himself said, not a single bird lands on the ground apart from the Father's knowledge. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. God knows everything there is to know about everything there is. God knows everything there is to know about everything there is. So if we can remember our ruler's providence, we'll be reminded that God knows everything there is to know about what that is. He knows everything about your life and my life. He cares about the small things in life and he cares about the great things in life. And he rules over all. How do you tackle worry? <laughs> you remember that God is our ruler and God cares about the smallest things in life and the greatest things in life. He cares for you and for me. What I would like for you to consider is I would like for you to tackle worry one issue at a time. You see, the problem with people when they end up getting panic attacks and when they end up dealing with anxiety and it cripples them, the problem is, is that they, they pile on all the worries and they're just so consumed that they can't physically move. What I would encourage you to do when you're facing anxiety and worry is tackle it one issue at a time. Because otherwise, you're gonna get overwhelmed. One of my favorite battles in history was when King Leonidas and the Spartans, they fought the Persians. What I love about that battle is you had around 300 just buff men that were trained soldiers going in against this massive Persian army and they said, we're gonna take them on and there's 300 of us. They ended up losing, but... They lasted a long time. Why did they last such a long time? Because they didn't go out immediately into the big battlefield where they were gonna be sitting ducks and they weren't gonna get hit by the flaming arrows. Because if they just went into the open field, they would have been killed immediately because they were far outnumbered. What kept them long in the battle 
was they stayed in a cave in this crevice and, and they, would, they would force the Persians to come to them and the Persians would come one or two or small groups at a time. And as they came in, they approached this, this 300-man army and they would get killed. They would tackle it one at a time or a small group at a time. In the same way, how do you fight worry? You deal with it one trouble at a time. One thing at a time. And when the worries pile on, make a priority list and say, okay, what am I worried about here? What's the biggest priority? I want to tackle that one first. Then I'm going to tackle that one next. Then I'm going to tackle that one next. Why are we investing so much money in a counseling center? Because we know anxiety is real. And we know that most, if not all of us, struggle with it. And so if you're dealing with anxiety, please come talk to us. Come talk to the elders of the church. Come talk to your small group leaders, your Bible study leaders. Come talk to our counselors. And we're going to have hopefully a few of them next year along with Jim. Worry is real. It is the universal problem. And how do we tackle it? We tackle it one issue at a time. We keep the right perspective and we remember God's providence. What I want to do as we conclude this service is look at the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism gives us a great definition of God's providence, and it also, it also helps us to apply this great theological truth of the providence of God. So let's read this together, and as we read it together, I really want you to process what we're reading. So try to block out all the distractions and process what you're reading, because this is profound truth. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. Let me stop here for a second. You look here and you see a rich definition of providence, It's the almighty and ever-present power of God. He upholds everything, his creation. Heaven and earth, all his creatures, he rules over all, leaf and blade, rain and drought, the fruitful and lean years, the food and the drink, the health and the sickness, prosperity and poverty. No matter what you're going through, God is ruler. And so if you're going through a hard time, God is ruler. If you're going through a good time, God is ruler. God is in control. And so I would encourage you, instead of spending so much of your time and effort worrying about what if and the future. Spend more of your time resting in the fact that God's got this and and your days are numbered. And even though you may be going through a hard season, it's a season and you may not live tomorrow. and and, And if you don't live tomorrow, that's God's choice. God may take us tomorrow and we can rest in that. But overall, we can rest knowing that God's got this. He is ruler over all. The second question, number 28, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? How does this help you? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well. And for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from his love. All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. Do you you see that? Do you believe that? Your life is in his hands. He's got you. And even if you you get cancer and die tomorrow, you're gonna be in heaven. 
You can have security in that. Your days are numbered. All of our days are numbered. We, don't, we can't guarantee tomorrow. But what I can guarantee you is that God is faithful and he does love you. And he's got you in his hands and he won't let you go. He loves you so much that nothing can separate you from his love. And I love the end of this. All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you do, I encourage you to rest in that and know that he has everything under control. Even though life may not seem to be in control, it is under his control.